the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour three on the way home. An hour before the uh, presidential debates tonight, the Republican presidential debates uh, tonight in Milwaukee. It's a delight to bring back to the show, not in studio this time on the road, but uh, loyal enough to join us by telephone, former Congressman John Shattuck. He is the head. He is the principal and founder of Shattuck Associates. And he is a former eight-term member of Congress. Eight-term members. Eight, tier, eight terms, right, John? I think it's eight terms. Do eight I have terms, that right? Yep. Eight terms. Sixteen years. Sixteen years representing the old uh, 4th Congressional District. That's the same amount of tenure my old buddy uh, and boss Jack Kemp had when he was representing Buffalo. I think he was there 16 years, if I'm not mistaken. It's a good good number, 16. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good a, number. Uh, great privilege. A lot of fun. Interesting times. Absolutely. All right. So the debates tonight. Uh, let me um, let me ask you this. Uh, first of all, um, I, I, I'm going to guess that most eyes are going to be on Ron DeSantis. I think some eyes are going to be on Vivek Ramaswamy. And I think Chris Christie is going to uh, take a lot of oxygen out of the room as well. Those those three are pretty big. Pretty big characters. Uh, the others will be fighting for some time. But do you ever, in thinking about the others, John, do you ever feel that there's a real lack of self-knowledge in politics? There are people on there that shouldn't really be there. I mean, if you're Asa Hutchinson, you should kind of be thinking this is a waste of people's time and money. At least in my view, there's a lack of self-knowledge in some of these cases, it seems to me. But maybe that's a position of elitist arrogance i don't know what you think (laughs) well i don't think it's elitist arrogance i think it's uh reality uh i do think i know asa i served with asa he's a nice enough guy but he has no business being on there that's what i uh it's uh and and i asked earlier in the year i he came to arizona called arizona and said hey john i want to come to arizona i want to talk about the presidential race and uh, you know i'm interested in running and i agreed to uh you know lend my name and say sure i'd be happy to help you and tell you who some of the key players are yeah but i kind of thought at the time he was thinking about himself getting back into the cabinet yeah he's been in the cabinet once before but um uh, i think he's i think you said it right i think that's a waste that the current situation is a waste of our time and he ought to figure out, look, this is not going to happen uh, and not the right way for me to spend my time. But uh, lack of self-awareness is definitely a trait amongst politicians. Yeah. And I, I probably am. Uh, there are probably some of your listeners saying, yeah, you included, Chad. I no, I wouldn't <laughs> think so. No, I, I mean, I think but, you played everything just 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 quite right. Um, totally well, quite you. right. And, you know, that's why people still want you to run and why we keep encouraging you to do so. There's a big thirst for someone like yourself to get back into the game. Uh, and we'll yeah. keep doing our best to push you, <laughs> despite what you and Shirley yeah. want. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
Of that course. The, the question is how do you know how do these people impress the nation, uh, and and do they have? You know, the problem with Republicans is they don't they don't take on the fight. They don't get serious. They don't uh, take uh, issues directly to the enemy. Yeah. And say, look, you guys are are wrong here, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, some of them are genuinely what I used to call the bedwetter caucus, mm-hmm. and they're afraid of doing anything. And I used to tell people in, in Arizona, I used to say, you know, what you have to understand is somewhere between a third and two-thirds of all Republican members of the U.S. House are only Republicans because they decided they wanted to run for Congress first because, wow, it'd be cool to be a congressman. Yeah. And then they woke up the next morning and said, does that mean I have to be a Republican? Right. Because they... <laughs> right. that's what's, that's what's uh, predominant here in my neighborhood. Yeah. And they didn't figure out they were Republicans uh, based on a series of principles first. They were figured out they were Republicans because that's what they had to be to get elected where they happened to live. And unfortunately, that's uh, kind of the reality of the situation. And you just have to live with it. So A lot of people will be watching, too, I think. You tell me to see if there's a breakout moment for someone. Everyone's going to want one. And I think there's a lot of weight resting on Ron DeSantis' shoulders because his performance in the polling has been so lackluster. It's just gone down, down, down. Vivek Ramaswamy's gone up. It has a feeling to me, I don't know how you're watching this, has a feeling to me that Ramaswamy is kind of the flavor of the month. That happens in these these races sometimes for about a month. Someone's kind of on the rise for a little bit. And then on closer examination, that rise kind of tends to peter out. And the more he's been talking about things... The more eyebrows he's been raising, whether it's the United States alliance with Israel, whether it's the legalization of drugs, whether it's um, questioning whether uh, 9-11 was as we know it. These are these are kind of things that on close, closer inspection kind of make someone say, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's, there's some weirdness here. You're not quite time tested. But for about a month, right. he's been a flavor. And, you know, maybe he'll do well tonight. He's been advertising that he's been doing no debate prep. I think that's a huge mistake, by the way. I have to tell you, everyone who's ever bragged about not doing debate prep has regretted it. Uh, any any thoughts on any of that, of course? Sure. Um, I, I've been uh, interested uh, by Vivek uh, because he, he, he has demonstrated some strength and some strong positions, uh, but... As you said, the problem with first-time candidates is they kind of don't know the yeah. the, the the game yet. Yeah. Um, Arizona suffered terribly this last cycle with a whole bunch of first-time candidates who had no business running and had no clue what they were doing. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, that does a lot of damage, and it's and it's not good for the party and not good for the country. Um, I I. I think it'll be interesting to see what he has to say tonight, number one. And number two, it does bother me that uh, whenever one of our guys or or gals or one of our candidates um, makes a mistake, the left loves to jump on it and crush them. And I would say, particularly with respect to 9-11, as I heard his first comment, it was basically, I'm not sure the government has told us everything. Right. Well, um, that's not to say that 
what they have told us is wrong or that they've concealed anything from us. It's just to say, I'm not sure the government has told us everything. Right. And quite frankly, if the government has told us everything about 9-11, I'd be stunned. Right. Because in my view, right. the American government doesn't tell the American Agreed. people. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, they just. Uh, I I, I, I totally agree, but it takes yeah. a political. It, it it should take something a little less than political sophistication to inject that yep. into the race in 2023. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yep. It, 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 I hope some of them spend some of their time uh, doing what you and I did last week, and that is yeah. going after uh, Barack Obama and uh, not Barack Obama, going after uh, President Biden and. Uh, his son and debunking this thought that well, if the money didn't, if you can't show the money went straight into a checking account that says uh, Joe Biden, that you don't have a bribery case or you don't have a case of treason uh, or blackmail, and, and and they go after the point that if the money just flowed to his family, which it pretty clearly did, you know that's all that it takes. And the other thing is, the guy stood up and admitted to the country that. Uh, he did Burisma's bidding. Burisma yes. said, we want this prosecutor fired. And he says, well, give me 5000 uh, or $5 million and give my son $5 million, and it's done. And guess what? Uh, son of a gun, it happened. Yeah. And, and the left would have you believe that there's, there's no substance to these things or that this is just the Republicans going after uh, Biden for being loyal to his son. Uh, my response to that is punk. Yeah. So. I, yeah, no, I, I hope they do. It raises the question. We're, we're heading into a commercial break. Maybe you can pick up on this when we come back. It raises this question. Your sense, uh, John, uh, I don't think you've ever lost a race. Your sense, and and, and of course your daddy was one of the great political consultants uh, in America, when people are tuning in tonight and watching tonight, do you think, and I'll ask you to answer this on the other side, do you think they want to see who can do the better job against the other people on the stage? Or do you think they're looking for the person who can make the strongest case against Biden? Because I'm guessing the temptation is to do the first, but I'm guessing most voters are looking for the second. Uh, to repeat for the other side of the break, yeah, that's exactly the question yep. I want to ask. Is it is it about taking each other out, or is it about who makes the greatest, strongest, most articulate, most puissant and powerful case against Biden and the left? John Shadigal, help us answer that question when we come back. I'm Seth Leibson. He's John Shadig, Congressman John Shadig, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Privileged to have John Shattig on with us uh, for our drive home today. Former congressman representing the old Arizona 4th Congressional District from whence we broadcast and from where uh, I was raised and live today. Congressman, on the debates tonight, um, do you think viewers are tuning in to see who can take the other one out, who has the sharpest uh, debating tactics against one another, uh, or perhaps to make the case for themselves? Or do you think they're looking for the person who sounds like they can do the best job in a general election against Joe Biden? You you, you, you understand the question. Absolutely. And I think it is the key question. Um, the reality is, uh, and in some of my dad's books, he made this point particularly in how to win an election. Yeah. Um, the average American right now barely even knows there's a presidential election coming up in 2024. <laughs> That's a fair point. They, yeah. they are very consumed with getting Janie to her uh, soccer game yeah. or her soccer practice yeah. and getting Billy to 
whatever it is that the Billy's Boy Scout meeting or whatever yeah. is up. Yeah. Um, so uh, the people who will be watching, I think, are saying to themselves, and I watched a guy say this on TV the other day, we have got to win. And so they're looking for who can win. And win means uh, be appealing to listeners because they're tired of anger and people that aren't very appealing, uh, number one. And then number two, uh, not just be appealing to listeners, but deliver appealing arguments or compelling arguments. And so that might be demonstrated by going after, on for part of the time, going after one of their opponents because the opponent uh, deserves it. But uh, most importantly, it's how is this candidate going to stand up against Joe Biden? Because that's the name of the game. Uh, if you're not... if if you're still out, if you run a great campaign, but you don't win, you don't have any power and you can't do anything. I have a really smart uh, email or correspondent uh, in our listening audience, uh, John, and he wrote me, he said, um, you know, the candidate on the debate stage that says, are you here to fight me or fight them, is probably going to have the, the sunlight. And 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 yep. the problem is they can't make it sound too coy. You know, they can't make it nope. sound like it was, you know, a, a, a talking point ready to be launched. They've got to do it. It probably not on the first attack, maybe not on the second. They've got to time that exactly right. But that would be that line would be a winning line, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I have a uh, another political consultant type, not consultant, but a political uh, operative type, who says, you know, we might be looking at this point for who would make the best vice president. I wonder what your thoughts are on that in this respect. We'll come back to the qualities of each of these candidates on stage tonight. But in this respect, you and I have discussed this before. You look at the polling data today. If you go to the Real Clear Politics average and you look at – at uh, at at just the graph. I mean, there are inches, inches between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Trump is going up. DeSantis is going down. I know not a vote has been cast. I know that. And that's a national poll. And I know that argument. But in Iowa, it's still 20 points. And, you know, I guess the question becomes, are we looking to see who's the best number two, or do you think there's some way to overcome this 40-point deficit between Donald Trump and everyone else? I mean, in other words, is there an inevitability, or is there not an inevitability? Obviously, um, unlike everybody else, what I have is an opinion. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and it might be better than somebody else's, but it might be no better than anybody else's. Yeah. In my view, uh, the lead that uh, Mr. Trump or President Trump has right now, former President Trump has now, is not insurmountable. Okay. The reality is, uh, there's this is, my dad would laugh at anybody taking a race or a poll very seriously this far out from election day. Okay. It, uh, it is just so far. Now, I don't know that he, he, he would say, yep, if you're Full 40 points up, that's a pretty strong case. That's a strong case. Yeah, but, that makes the analysis but, a slight but, difference, yeah. But, but the truth is, 40, 40 points up right now could mean can easily mean zero points up on election day. Yeah. yeah. The polls are not a prediction 
of what's going to happen on election day. Right. People think they are, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're a sampling of what's happening today. And right now, uh, the uh, media and the woke leftists in this country are going after Biden, I'm sorry, going after Trump uh, uh, with everything they've got mercilessly and unfairly. And most of it, I think, is trying to cover up uh, the conduct of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, I think I've said on this show before, I think what he did between he and Butter and Hunter selling America to uh, and selling uh, Biden's influence to the Chinese, uh, the Russians, this woman Russian oligarch, and uh, perhaps the Burisma itself, uh, that is unforgivable. So they're doing everything in their power to try to crush Trump right now, um, including all of these indictments. And so I think Trump is getting a great deal of sympathy which is well-deserved because he's being treated unfairly. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything, uh, I mean, there's some truisms about Americans. Uh, Americans fundamentally believe and believe very deeply in fairness. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's a question of a teacher treating a student fairly or a student treating a teacher fairly or an administrator treating a teacher unfairly or a boss at a plant treating an employee unfairly. The American people like to think they have a sense of what is fair, and they expect their leaders to act uh, fairly in adjudicating issues. And what the Democrats are doing to Trump right now uh, is is outrageously unfair. Mm -hmm. I don't think this Justice Department has one ounce of credibility or legitimacy in bringing indictments against Donald Trump. Having uh, done what they've done with regard to their uh, bias in favor of Hillary Clinton and not ever going after her, their bias in going after uh, conservatives, who is the woman, at the IRS that went after conservative nonprofits. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I, Lois, yeah. I'll think of it Lois in a moment. Lerner? Yeah, Lois Lerner. Yeah, that's Lerner, it. Lois Lerner. Yeah, right, Lerner. Good call. Yeah. For the last at least ten years of my lifetime, the federal government has not has has tilted so far to the left with the unquestioning support of the media that if uh, if the current Justice Department uh, indicted uh, Al Capone for racketeering right now, I think I'd come to Al Capone's Yeah, uh, Yeah, you're right. It's a fair <laughs> point. Let me take a quick break and come back on that with you. John Shattig is my guest. We'll take a quick commercial break and ask him also about the one other issue we've been talking a lot about, which is um, the Republican Party's problem with the female voter. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shattig is my guest. John, there will be one female on the debate stage tonight in Nikki Haley. Um, One of the interesting things and good things, I think, about our party and our movement is it raises no eyebrows that we have a female candidate running for president any more than it raised eyebrows when Carly Fiorina 
ran uh, in 2016, it always seems to be a bigger issue for the Democrats that and when they have a female running to us, it's like, so what? Because um, we, we, we tend to, I guess, to be a party in a movement that cares more about what you think and what you say and who you are rather than what you are. And uh, that's a credit and a tribute to us. We'll never get credit or tribute for. But we do, it is fair to say, in the electorate analysis, have a problem with female suburban voters. And a lot of people are saying whoever the nominee is, ultimately, whether it is Donald Trump or whether it is Ron DeSantis or whoever it is, that they're probably going to need a female vice president um, running mate, uh, if not some other you know, minority, perhaps Tim Scott. I wonder what your thought on all that is. How how serious is our female deficit with the electorate? It might be overstated. Um, it might be as much. Well, as much as I wish it weren't so, I think it is so, and I think it does go back to this notion of Americans liking a perception of fairness, mm-hmm. and there, it is now accepted as it should be that there should be no discrimination between men and women there should be no thought uh, that women are less qualified for any job in america and unfortunately republicans have allowed uh, the perception to occur and i think it's a not necessarily a fair perception that we don't have that view and we don't share that view and so i think it's uh, it's kind of a difference between intellectual politics and real politics. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, uh, sure, intellectually we can say if we nominated a, uh, a male presidential candidate with a male running mate, people should say, well, that's the right uh, conduct because – the issue is qualifications, mm-hmm. just like the discussion that we've had about, you know, does it matter what the color of the skin right. of the pilot of the plane is? Right. The answer is you want the most confident <laughs> person you can. But in politics, there's uh, intellectual purity and correctness, which is you want the most qualified candidate. But there's also the reality that, well, you have to uh, you have to. Uh, um, be practical and take into consideration whether people are always a thousand percent logical in their perceptions uh, of of reality. Yeah. And I I personally think uh, unless I could be persuaded otherwise, we'd be prudent to pick uh, a female vice presidential candidate if we pick a male presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and, and I wonder, you know, I, I, I have to wonder just a little bit too, though, you know, um, it's not anyone because they're female. It has to be an extraordinarily competent one that doesn't raise eyebrows because exactly. we have the experience certainly of 2008. And I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, do you think Kamala Harris gave that many votes to Joe? Do you think Biden would lose any number of votes if he didn't have if he didn't if he didn't choose Kamala Harris I don't know there's something almost that feels a little bit cheap about it whereas you know Nikki Haley is a very accomplished person she for some reason is very distasteful to a large part of our party but she is very accomplished she has a great resume but you know so too do others um, like Christy Noam 
and I and it, it almost I don't know. Do you watch Fox News? You see a lot of ads. Christy Noem's doing these days. You know, tourist ads come yeah. to South Dakota. It almost as if yep. she's trying to maybe campaign for the vice president. In many ways, I think she would be a better a better attendant than than Nikki Haley, um, because you know Nikki Haley just for some reason has has turned off a, a lot of the base and has been very antagonistic, I suppose, toward Donald Trump in a way that Christy Noam has not. Let me let me pick up on that with you on the other side of this break. This was a short one. We'll have a longer one coming right back. John Shattuck and I uh, will be right back. He, the former congressman uh, representing uh, Arizona's old 4th Congressional District for 16 years and the head of Shattuck Associates, like to say, well, what does Shattuck Associates do? It helps anyone who might have a problem with the government, who has a problem with the government, or who had a problem with the government. It's the largest client base of any operation I've ever heard of, which is great. All right. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Shattig is my guest, former congressman and the head of Shattig Associates. Um, John, I'm going to invite you to do something I'm going to do here and join me in this uh, in this dangerous task. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. If DeSantis or Donald Trump is the nominee or Vivek Ramaswamy or Chris Christie, I mean, anything can happen. Or Glenn Youngkin. I mean, right. You, you had made the case earlier. Anything can happen and anything can happen. Is it smarter for the Republican Party to choose a racial minority or a female on the on the number two? Your question is, to me, is is it smart? Yeah, is it smarter for the 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 white male presidential candidate to choose a racial minority or a female as a running mate? What would be better? As I said, we're rushing in where angels feel fear fear to trade. Yeah, I'm there with you. So you're in with me. I'll I'll jump off the cliff with you. (laughs) I'm not certain I want to go there. I mean, I guess my response is. It depends on on the end on whether you have a truly appealing racial min- minority. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Scott, Senator Scott, uh, impresses the heck out of Same. me. Yep. Um, and he is the story of America. Yep, uh, he grew up in a time where he could easily have made a choice and said, "Oh, I'm in America, and in America, everything is stacked against me because I'm a racial minority." Right. So. I'm just going to go along with the system, and I'm going to accept my role, and I'm going to say, uh, black men in America at, 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 of, uh, in this generation just cannot uh, uh, get to where they want to go. Right. They have to accept a secondary position. Right. And instead, he apparently had a grandmother who said, no, you yeah. live in an America where uh, it's not the color of your skin, it's the content of your character. Uh, as Martin Luther King said, and he took that and went to the max. And he, so he is kind of the American dream personified, but he is proof that it requires hard work and dedication, and it requires what Ronald Reagan had, which is uh, a, a an appealing attitude. Um, I think the guy is just a walking salesman yep. for America. Yep. So that would be fantastic. Having said that, um, I, I think the former ambassador to the United States, in her efforts to, in, in how do I say this, in terms of selling herself, mm-hmm. not on the substance, mm-hmm. but in terms of proving that she's smart and competent 
and can be appealing, I think she's superb. I think she has done damage by moving too far to the left or, or, or becoming too moderate uh, in a Republican primary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's taken too many uh, shots at uh, former President yeah. Trump yeah. on issues that weren't justified, where she'd have been far better advised to hang back, keep her mouth shut, and to recognize the other point I made, and that is um, it, it might be that uh, you, you can sit back and look at any one of the issues on which people criticize uh, Donald Trump mm-hmm. and, and, and take apart that issue. But, but if the way the attack is coming at him is itself fundamentally unfair – which is, I think, what is happening in America today. I think the attacks against Trump are uh, all fundamentally unfair. Uh, then, then the then the bona fides of the attacker have to be examined, and you have to say, well, uh, uh, what's it, uh, let him he is who is without sin throw the first stone. Yeah. I yeah. don't think I don't think the Justice Department has any business going after Donald Trump for most of the things that it's going after him for. Right. I, I think, for example— We're hoping a, he a goes friend, after them when he gets—if he gets there, we're hoping someone goes after them. Right, yeah. Absolutely. And and people forget this, but I guess lawyers get trained in it. Um, there is something that they call a political question. Yep. And when I was a, a younger man going to law school, you understood that there will be cases that come along— where the United States Supreme Court or some lower Kate, uh, some lower federal court says we're terribly sorry uh, to the uh, the uh, adversaries in a matter that's coming before us, we're not going to make either right. of you this happy. This is not a question of law. This is, this is a, a question of politics. Question. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is right. a political right. question. Right. And and um, I you know I wish Trump had conducted himself differently on January sixth, but. So much of what happened that day is not susceptible of legal analysis or of legal evaluation. We have a a democracy in this country such that if a question, in fact, cannot be properly resolved by the legal system because it is so embroiled or embedded in the political system, then you shouldn't try to resolve it as a legal matter. Um, If the people think... Uh, Trump was completely wrong on January 6th and had no business doing what he did, then they can choose not to reelect him. That's right. But for Jack Smith to say, oh, no, this is a straight-up legal question, I mean, that's just fundamentally wrong. I mean, to me, uh, Jack Smith needs to go back to law school, and particularly to the course where they teach you about the doctrine of political questions. And maybe and the First Amendment, too. I mean, that's what's so damn maybe, dangerous yeah. about it. You cannot find Donald Trump calling for an insurrection. You cannot find him calling for a no. riot. So what you are doing is trying to find and ratchet up and bootstrap other things he said here and there that might be interpreted somehow, some way, uh, by some person somewhere that they should engage in violence. And, and, and that's just protected speech, black letter law. The- this is very much entangled with protected speech. Right. He's the president of the right. United States. Right. Right. If his, and this is true of, of Biden and of Reagan and of every president who's existed, if their speech isn't political speech, uh, when it's uh, on the cusp like this, 
well, what is political right. speech? Right. What, so, so are we going to have a, a judge? Right. We've now seen how some of these judges, we're beginning to see some of the initial rulings by the judge in this very case, yep. where you go, oh, so she does have a yeah. very clear <laughs> anti-Trump <laughs> bias. Yeah. And yeah. The, whole con- the whole concept of political questions was intended to keep the courts out of, and I would argue above, political disputes. Of course it was. And th- it's not as though there's no remedy. Right. Th- there are at least two that come to your mind in seconds, and one is the ballot box, yep. where the people can say, I don't like that conduct, and I'm not going to vote to put it back in power. But in addition to the, the ballot box, um, there is the ability of the people to say, not not only are we not going to vote for you, uh, but we're not going to follow you as a leader. That's right. Um, and and for for the courts to say no, 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 we're going to let judges. I mean, it's a little bit like this whole situation in Israel, yeah. where the Supreme Court of Israel gets to say right or wrong on matters that have nothing to do right. with law. Right. People who weren't elected get to decide things that people have elections. John Shattuck, it was so great catching up with you today, brother. We'll, uh, we'll watch yeah, tonight be, and we'll, uh, we'll analyze it, it uh, when we see you next. It, it will be an interesting evening, and it is and will be a consequential election. It will be both. Thank you, brother, as you are both as well. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. You, uh, a lot of you, know I talk a lot about why Refi. I do so because they're a great company. They've been getting a ton of phone calls from y'all, and I thank you for supporting an investment that actually helps people. A lot of people are talking about this investment, so just to review the basics. First off, yes, it's true. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with why Refi, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. You can do whatever you choose with no, absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. And if you're not sure if you trust this economy, the secure collateralized portfolio may be just the right option for you. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888 888- why refi 24 that's 888 why refi 24 if you're looking for a solid investment that helps people contact my friends at why refi now interesting thing about the debates tonight there's been a lot of criticism thrown at fox um some of which you've heard um and some of it with you know the rules to who gets on the stage and who doesn't rules that uh, draconianly i think have kept Larry Elder unfairly off the stage. But here's one that will explain some of the analysis you will hear tomorrow on your favorite shows on this station. You're not going to hear a lot of audio from the debate from tonight. And that's another rule of Fox's. Um, They are not allowing people to air uh, multiple minutes from the debate. They're hogging it. And I don't know why. I have no idea why they're doing it. But I'm going to guess that uh, this will not be a rule. In fact, it's an impossibility for it to be a rule for Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, vis-a-vis Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson's interview tonight. And it will be interesting to see, too, who has more viewers, Fox or Twitter X, Tucker Carlson. Fools rush in 
where angels fear to tread. That was the quote I was using with John Shaddy. You know where that comes from, young David? Alexander Pope. He was a great crafter of a lot of interesting little quotes here and there. He's uh, not only given to that, but a little learning is a dangerous thing. To err is human, to forgive divine. could probably all learn a little more Alexander Pope, too, with all our learning. With all thy getting, get understanding. That, we know where that comes from. Folks, thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Uh, David Dahl, thank you for all your work. And uh, Mr. Bill, thank you. Uh, until tomorrow, I'm Seth Leaps, and God bless you all. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.